the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. We're all about delivering great content, thoughtful discussions, and tips and tricks to help you truly get the most out of your life and business. And here's your charismatic host, me, Matt Browning. Hey, it's Matt Browning. Welcome back to another episode of the pod. So glad you're here. It's Interview Friday. Such a good Friday. Um, I know you're ready for a big weekend, but before you do, we are going to jump into a very cool conversation with a very cool woman all about story. So my guest today is Tiffany Largi. Now, Tiffany says there's no magic bullet for coast-to-coast business and a sales strategist. Uh, she went from being a single mom to building three six-figure businesses and on to building a seven-figure business by the age of 30. So first, I want to stop right there and say, Tiffany, welcome to the pod. How you doing? Thanks for being here. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Very, very exciting. We, just before we were rolling tape, we, I, was, I always say we should have recorded that whole thing because we were both getting situated. I've been traveling. You've been traveling. You're in Temecula right now. You're doing speaking yeah. all week. Um, your kiddos are around. You're, all this stuff's going on. Um, Seven-figure business by age 30. I think that's yeah. really, really fascinating, especially as, as, as a single mom, um, as a woman, and as a black woman, I feel like that's probably a big part of your story. Is that fair to say? I just want—I don't want to jump right into the nitty gritty, but no, no. Actually, you're right. That's actually a huge part of my story. Huge, huge part of my story. Yeah, and and, and I just think it's it's something that you know when you when you look at especially the culture of what's going on today, looking at different demographics and different different groups that you can say, hey, I actually represent that, and look what I've done with myself. Look what I've done with my family. And it's been through serving people. I just, I really respect it. I think it's awesome. You started also with no capital. So how did you get your whole business started and thriving? How did you get started with no capital as a single mom? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting when a lot of people I meet, they had this idea for a business of some nature. They knew they wanted to start a business. They, maybe they invented a product or they can code. And I'm like, man, I... For me, I started a business 14 years ago because I got tired of putting my kids to bed hungry. Um, We lived in Miami, Florida. I made 10 bucks and 22 cents an hour. And the reality is that, man, I was like, it was $1,600 period every month. And it was $1,000 per kid to put them in preschool because Jada and I are 18 months apart. So for me, starting a business was really like, not like, oh, I just, I've always dreamed of it. It was more of a means to an end. You know what I mean? Like, it was uh, the only way that I could possibly have a shot at making more than the $10 and 22 cents an hour that a company thought I was worth. That makes perfect sense. So you had, you had really no way to get yourself up and out of that situation. No, none, zero. And what were you doing with your kids at the time? I mean, so you put them into preschool? How no, did you- I, w- I literally would just beg random people. Like that is the truth. I would beg people every day. You know, a lot of people overlook single moms and you know, I'm remarried now, but what's real is that I never forget my day-to-day. It wasn't by the week. It was a day-to-day journey of just trying to make sure they were cared for. Uh, they're 18 months apart. They were so little. One was still in diapers. And um, every day uh, or every night, I would kind of look around my world because I didn't have a lot of family who lived near me. I didn't have a ton of neighbors. And I would just, I would ask people. I would ask other people, people who I knew were staying home or they had different jobs. And I just beg. I was desperate. I was literally desperate. But I'll tell you the truth. Eventually that gave out, which is actually one of the key reasons why I started a business because I think people got tired of not really doing a favor for me, but it's not like I was saying, hey, can you watch my kids and I'm going to pay you. 
You know what I mean? Like I couldn't, uh, <laughs> I couldn't. So I think people got not tired, but I also got tired of asking and one thing led to another and I knew that I needed to start a business and that was the only way, but I'll be quite honest with you, man. Like I wasn't really trying to build a big business. I was just like, man, I just want to get to $50,000 a year. Like, whoa, like if I get to $50,000, like I thought the whole world would just shift for us. Well, like, think about that too, that 50,000 a year, that's $25 an hour. That so was to everything. From, to go from a $10 an hour, that's the most I can get employable. And I, I not, not anywhere near the same story, but you know, for me, when I was working and then went and started my first business, I was unemployable. I lost my job and it was like, gosh, I don't, I have experience in one industry and I don't know, no one's going to hire me. What am I going to do? And then I realized maybe I should just do this whole thing I've been doing myself. <laughs> but for you, it was like the dream of 25 bucks an hour. That's it. I was like, and what would that do? I mean, that would change your life, right? That would, that would allow daycare. That would allow your kids to be taken care of. That would allow you to get up and out from where you were. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Like to me, I was like a trillionaire at that point. I was like 50,000. Whoa. Like I was, you know, like I was living large. You get it? Like it was like me and P Diddy in the same car. (laughs) (laughs) Dead serious. Can can I ask you, and I I love it when we get to, um, you're just such an authentic and just such a raw, real person. I love that about you, Tiffany. And I, I love it when we can have an interview and just like jump right into like what's really going on. What was the emotion that you were experiencing on a day-to-day before you started? Was it more fear? Was it more tired? Was it what? I mean, in theory, it was all of the above, but I'll be honest with you. It was, I felt angry. I felt pissed off. I wasn't just frustrated. I was really angry and pissed off. I thought I was like, God, why me? I mean, I had two children. I had no clue where dad was. And so I I was in this cycle of emotionally trying to battle the fact that I was embarrassed. Uh, because I didn't have answers. I was constantly trying to hide from the world how bad our love life was. I felt guilty because I felt like I super sucked as a mom. Uh, And I was in love with those kids. Like I was crazy, madly in love with them. And I just felt like the worst human on the planet. So I was more pissed off than anything, you know? And, And honestly, it's like, when you don't have options, you just feel trapped. You, and, and I say trapped, but I don't mean physically. I mean mentally, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I felt trapped and I felt forgotten by God for sure. And forgotten. So you're angry, trapped, and forgotten. And, yeah. and, and I know there are plenty of single moms and new entrepreneurs listening to this right now. And, and I guess that what I really want people to know is like, if you feel trapped, it's not the end. And if you feel trapped, it's like you can't feel bad about yourself, right? You can't beat yourself up. And I'm sure you probably had plenty of times when you're beating yourself up about why did I do this? And my kids, you know, like what, what would you, what was some of the, and we'll get into the positive and how you got out, but I really want to, I really want to make sure people get that, especially it's easy when you hear someone sharing the success story, right? Of, oh, I got out of X, Y, Z it's easy to kind of forget about that. But I want to make sure that if someone's in that situation, they really get that, man, like you're not alone. What, 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 what's the kind of things that you would say to yourself, like in your mind or even out loud, maybe, you know, like about you, about your, about as a mother, um, before you were finally getting angry enough to move and get out of that situation. How would you talk about yourself? How would I talk about myself? Man, you know, honestly, I don't know that I did. I know. Yeah, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but I hands down, I literally found myself 
um, not talking. Okay. Yeah, I found myself just kind of quiet and I would say it's time for me to own my own value. You know, like a, a lot of times I allowed my circumstances to kind of dictate what I what I was or what I was capable of or what I could be. And even now today, I see so many people do that. Like I'm from this area or I came from here or uh, I was born here or I'm this color, I'm this age or I'm a woman or I'm a male. And I, for me, it was, it was almost owning a process of not allowing myself to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it actually does. So you were becoming kind of aware too of, of how important it was to focus on what you wanted. And at the same time, you know, I, I feel like for me, when, when I felt like I had no options and I felt like I was trapped, I probably, you know, you're probably right. I, I don't think I really talked much either. I probably didn't have a lot of self-talk. It was just get through the day. That's you know? it. It's get like autopilot. It. Yeah. Autopilot. Very, yeah. very survival mentality. Yeah. So was there a breaking point? Was there like a day, a moment, uh, a song you heard, uh, a, a word your kid said to you? Is there something that happened that you were like, today's the day? Or was it just a slow process of building the plan to get up and out? Yeah, you know, I, um, I got sick. One day I was standing with my daughter, uh, both of my kids actually, but I was holding my six-month-old baby. And uh, we were in the living room in my little apartment that was like months past due. And I passed out and I dropped her and uh, learned that I had pancreatitis. So I went to the hospital and... Um, I was there, I was admitted. So I was admitted for a couple of days and it was kind of out of nowhere because I had not been, you know, I in theory had not been sick before and I'm in the hospital. I call this job and here was my, like my reality check. So I called the job and it's a, I won't say the name of the company, but it is a fortune 500 company. Call their human resource. I actually call my manager and I'm like, Hey, such and such on day two, I am in the hospital. I was admitted yesterday. I'm feeling better today and da da da. And uh, she's like, oh my gosh, Tiffany, it's so great to hear from you. We were wondering what happened to you. You didn't come into work. And I'm like, yeah, I'm so sorry. And, you know, I explained the whole thing, but I was physically in, the, in a hospital bed, you know? And right. I, uh, she's like, okay, well, I'm so glad to hear from you, but hold on one second. We need to connect you with XYZ person. And this was a person in human resources. And I was like, sure. You know, I remembered the name of the woman from my interview and I uh, get on the phone with this lady and she's like, oh my gosh, such and such explained what happened. And oh, we just feel so horrible. And oh my gosh, I really hope you, you, you know, like you feel well and all this. And she's just the sweetest could be. And then she says this, she goes, but I really do want you to understand that, to, that when you don't show up to work for three days that you're considered, and I forget the term, but basically I'm walking, right? I'm, I'm forfeiting my job. Mm -hmm. And I was so crazy confused on this phone because I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm in the hospital. Did you, did you, did we miss something? And she's like, yeah, but you don't have enough sick hours to be sick. <laughs> and I was like, what does that even mean? And she went on a, on a, on a way to tell me that, hey, you don't have sick hours, so you can't be sick. So even if you're in the hospital, it doesn't matter. You need to be at work. And wow. I, it was the craziest experience ever because I mean, I, 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 I didn't know what to do. I, I did. I, I couldn't even process what she was saying. Like I, I'm logically, I'm like, are you, are you trying to tell me that I'm supposed to get out of the bed and run, you know what I mean? Like, and just run into like, I'm just so perplexed. I'm hooked up to things. And she goes, yeah. So here's the reality, Tiffany. Like, unfortunately our policy, the company policy is that if you're 
not here on day three that you forfeit your job. And at this point, I know that that's the end of this conversation. I was so mad. I was hurt. I was angry. Uh, and my mind, I'm like, what am I supposed to do? You know, and I felt like just another person who didn't care about me, which is how I interpreted it. I interpreted it more as the world turning their back. I tell her that in the morning, I'm like, well, you know, facetiously, I'm like, okay, well then fine. I'll be there the next morning and I'll have someone pick up my things. So that was it. And at that point, I knew, I knew for a fact that something had, I had to do something. It was more like desperate city USA. <laughs> that is the truth. So now you're sitting hospitalized. Yes. You just, and I don't want to gloss over this fact. That must be such an eye-opening and scary moment to say I'm with my baby and I dropped my baby and I fell down with pancreatitis. I mean, that's an incredibly like scary moment. It was. Now your job calls and says, oh, by the way, you don't have any sick time and you don't have a job essentially unless you can get up out of the hospital bed right now. But even then you still, they, they, they let you go. So yeah. now how, how did you bridge the gap from lying in the hospital bed with no job to, did you launch your business right after that or did I you did. string together some other opportunities? What happened? No, no, literally. So I headed, I did what any, you know, any great researcher is going to do. Cause I had zero clue. I didn't know anybody who started a business and in Miami, Florida, everyone hustles. No one really like owns a corporation, at least no one I had ever seen or knew. So I did what any great person would do. And I went to Barnes and Nobles. <laughs> <laughs> I did because the books were free and there was a million of them. So I took my kids to Barnes and Nobles. I went to back then it used to be called the money section, you know, so it wasn't so much about uh, something else, you know, like business or finance or anything. It was just called money. And I go there, I, I just grab books off the shelf. And you know, have you ever seen those books that is like top, uh, top 50 businesses uh, that you can start for under a thousand dollars? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So then it has like a section. So I pick up that book. Kids are sitting on the ground. I pick, uh, uh, the first chapter is like a thousand to 500. Then it's like 500 to a hundred. And then it's like a hundred to zero. And of course I'm just hanging out in a hundred to zero. Thumbing through this thing, you know, it's like a title, five little foolish, uh, uh, materials, you know, things you need to start this business. And then like two expansive paragraphs that like answer all the questions you could ever have. And I go through each page and Matt, no joke. I can't make heads or tails of what they're talking about. Like medical transcriber. I'm like, what? Like all these things are foreign, but I have to choose one. I'm like determined. So finally I choose gift baskets <laughs> and I laugh about it because I suck at making baskets. I'm not creative at all, but it said I could start a business, make 50,000 a year and I could start with only a hundred bucks. <laughs> wow. So did so you started it? I did. I borrowed the money. I borrowed, you know, $100. like $100. I did. I did. I bought the little stupid list. Like it was like five items. <laughs> I swear to you, on my life, I I bought those doggone items and um and I sat in my living room floor and I came up with this idea to sell to home builders because home building was really big back then in Florida, new home construction and then like high-end luxury apartments. And uh, I started like a new homeowner's basket. And it was my very first step into entrepreneurship, my very first step into building a business. I did not make 50,000, but I definitely stopped hemorrhaging um, in terms of money and we were just bleeding. So 
I know you're like, wait, what? Where do we go from here? So you <laughs> you made some money from gift basket work. Yes, I did, and I learned and you how did to it at home. I did on my living room floor, and I would take these baskets. Um, and I made like a prototype, you know, like a sample basket and it was a new homeowner. So it had like stuff for your home. It had some, uh, like coupons for the neighborhood. I just kind of came up with this idea on my own, made these baskets and I get someone to put my kids in the backseat of the car. I'm sitting in the drive, you know, in the passenger seat and they drive me from apartment complex to apartment complex. And I cold call with the basket in hand. So you're cold calling, so you're cold door knocking to yes. new residents. Neither new resident, like the whole, like the office of the new home, like, you know, the home, new home office. And then if it's not that, then it's the property manager of the apartment complex. Gotcha. So are you trying to then kind of do like a wholesale thing where you say, hey, let yes. me sell these to you. And then yes. you can use these baskets from whenever you have your next person move in. Bingo. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Wow. What a cool idea. I mean, yeah. a, lot, a lot of hustle, a lot of work, but cool idea. Yeah. How long but, did you do that for? I did it roughly for about a year, maybe a little under a year. Um, it was how, it was the sole way of how I made money though. So, you know, I, I made, it was a hundred percent of what I did. I worked five days a week. My kids were home with me. I, you know, I, I did my best to reach as many people as possible, but back to childcare, it was just tough for me. Um, and it was a segue though. I'm so grateful for it. It taught me everything that I, it taught me the concept, like lesson number one in my life was if money's not coming to you, you got to go to it. If what you want is not coming to you, you got to go to it because yeah, I made that basket and yeah, I was sitting on my living room floor, but it was like, okay, well, I don't know how to use the internet because back then, I mean, I was not trying to sell on the internet. I did the whole thing seemed too far and in between and that that skill was outside of my comfort zone so I needed to figure out how to operate with where I was at the moment with what I could do and as much as I hated the idea of going door to door it was like well well Tiffany you're either going to wait for it to happen or you're gonna make it happen and I literally took that basket day in and day out and I just made it happen and and that's where the people are so yeah, there's, yeah. there's something about, you know, like when, when I started, you know, and we'll talk about getting into the, the speaking and the coaching world as well. But, you know, when I started that, like of all the different arms of the business and the different ways to market in the beginning, it's not a business. It's going, Hey, I need, I want to help some people, but mostly like I need to make some money because I'm trying to start something. And what's the easiest way? Well, let me get a direct program product service. Let me go right to a person who could use it. So I'm going to go speak at a group or I'm going to go knock on a door. Or I'm going to go, you know, whatever I'm going to, I'm going to call someone on the phone. I'm going to go do that. That's what I did with my first business, which was a mortgage business and uh-huh. started calling people, you know, so I, and I learned, and then I hired a telemarketer and I was like, you call people <laughs> <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll pay you a commission when you get a lead and then I'll take it from there and then close them on the thing. And, but it, it was all about what well, just go to the homeowners. I didn't have any, you know, just like you, no fancy, uh, no fancy dancy Google machines and online computer tablets or anything like that. It was just a phone and then try to convince someone that I can help them better than someone else could. Bingo. That's exactly it. You've nailed it. So you learned a lot about yourself, I'm sure, in the process. What were some of the, your, I don't know, lessons maybe that stuck with you that you learned about you, about character, about, um, your abilities, your potential, anything at all like that that sticks out? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. So number one, I, um, I was so in charge of my own future. I had, I don't, I think I believed before then that I was at the mercy of what the world was willing to hand me. And I, lesson number one was I was at the mercy of what I was willing to create for myself. Number two was I needed to own my own value. So it's like, if I didn't believe that these baskets were like the best thing on the planet since sliced bread, then I wouldn't earn the right for the property manager who has money in their account to believe that either. So often we want to sell position, propose X item, but it's like, we almost don't believe it. Like we walk up to the conversation and we're like, Hey, it'd be like, Hey, I have this basket and I think this basket will do like just wonders for you and for your new homeowners and for your new renters. It'd be so great if you had it like, yeah, yeah, in theory, I guess that sounds like it would be great, but it's so different when you walk in through the door and you're like, oh my gosh, can you imagine what will happen when the homeowner walks into their brand new home, ready to make memories, ready to be with their children, ready to have their first barbecue, and they get not only a welcome, but a moment where they look at that basket, they look at their brand new home, and they say, I am so glad, I am so glad we chose this builder for our partnership. Wow, what a what a contrast. And you painted a picture too of just that that valuable moment in time. What a I want to I want to segue actually right on that because this is perfect into creating and crafting stories. Yeah. So one of the things you've done so well and and I and this is why this is actually why um, and I'm so glad you came, but why I I tried to book you for this podcast and and I reached out to you and I was like, "Hey, I saw you speak at a conference we were both speaking at and you did this, this VIP special session at lunch. Do you remember this all about creating your story? And it's not often, and I don't, I don't know how to say this without sounding like, like I'm egotistical or something, but it's not often that I go to a conference and I sit and take a lot of notes from a speaker, right? Cause you know, it's like I go to so many conferences like you do and there's so yeah. many speakers and there's so many great people, but a lot of times you're like, okay, I've heard this. I've heard this. I've heard this. Oh, this is new. This is new. But when you were speaking, you really, you started talking about how to tell your story and it transformed. And I've been teaching story for a long time as well. And it transformed the way I went into my own story and how to pull out stories. I love that. I just that. think you had such a, you have such a gift for that. Um, when, so let's start with this. How important is it to, how, how important is story uh, in business, in relationships, in connecting with people? And what is it used for? Like what's the number one thing or the number couple, top couple reasons why we should get really, really good at sharing our stories? Story is everything. And before I say anything more, Matt, for sure, thank you so much. I'm super honored, again, to be here with your audience. But more importantly, that you, uh, that you shared that memory with me because I, too, enjoyed meeting you. And more importantly, it's our stories that connected us. Amen. You know, so story, what's real about story and why it's so important is there's a world out there who's teaching storytelling. I do not teach storytelling. Um, story for me is the baseline for everything I want to create, both life and in business. It's the baseline, which means I almost can't do anything without it. Like I almost can't move forward without it, period. 
And what's crazy real for me is that my story was the one thing I wanted to leave out of every conversation. The reason why I started teaching a few years ago is because right when I sold my company uh, back in 2015, and you know my business partners were Xerox Corporation and Hewlett Packard. So my multiple seven-figure business was brick and mortar. I have, you know, we have these technology giants. They're my business partners, and we're hiring white-collared people. Inside of it, I wanted to always appear to be the great manager. I always wanted to appear to have my A-game on. I always wanted to appear, because, you know, these guys needed to make $100,000 a year, and we were selling expensive things. I mean, our sales cycles were anywhere from $10,000 to a million dollars on any given week. And I realized that I was hiding so much of myself from them because I was afraid for what they would think. I was afraid of how they would view me. I didn't want anyone in that office to know that the CEO didn't have college education. I didn't want anyone in that office to know that I had gone to bed hungry. I didn't dare want anyone to know that I had zero clue where dad still was, you know, for my kids. Like I didn't want people to know those things about myself. And so what I ended up doing, which most of us do is we hide pieces of ourselves, the piece that's convenient. And what we do is we develop like versions of ourselves. So for me, I had a Sunday morning church version. I had a Thursday night with my friends version of me. And then I had a mom version, a sister version, a CEO version of Tiffany. I had the neighbor version of Tiffany. She talked differently. She may have not, she may have had four glasses of wine on Thursday night, but she wouldn't dare talk about that on Sunday morning. And what's real about it is that I really was in a place where I was putting pieces, the pieces that I thought the world, that part of the world needed to see. And it was totally, it was totally putting walls and barriers in between the connection that I could have had at that moment. There was a point in, in my career where we had done multiple six figures. Um, and I had a, I had what would be seen to the eyes of thriving business. There's not a lot of black women in technology, especially in the sector I was like, it was like almost next to none. I have all these employees with me and I'm thinking to myself, I had a day, a specific day where I had an experience and I'm like, you know what? I, I, I just need to be me. Like whatever that looks like, I, I have to own all of it because I believe wholeheartedly connection is currency. And when you think about currency, it's not just for a prospect. This is just currency people. So this is money. This is people. This is laughter and love. The things that I think are the two most important on the planet. Once I made a decision to own my story, stop apologizing for it and share it with every person I came in contact with, it changed my world. That is 100% how I left this kind of constant cycle of being in multiple six figures. I decide to kind of test this concept out. I move to North Carolina and I start a brand new business. So this is actually um, the brink. So I start a brand new business in North Carolina. I'm hiring again and I am now making a decision to share all of me. And what that means is that there are no more versions. The, there's only one version of Tiffany Larkey. She is the same person who is on Thursday night, Sunday morning, and with her kids behind closed doors. And I found that I was able to connect to people faster, quicker, better, bigger, broader. And all of the things that I was selling, all of the bells and whistles, they didn't matter. And so instead of sales cycles taking me four, five, six, seven, 12 conversations and 12 follow-ups, man, it was like day number one, one and a half, slam dunk. Same thing with people. So story is not just like, oh, it's really great to tell your story. 
It's answering the question of who are you? Why are you here? And what purpose do you, do you play in this big picture? Wow, that's such a, such a more profound question than I think we might even give it credit for. Who are you? What purpose do you serve? Say that again, those, those three things. It was so good. Who, who are, are you? you? Yes, why are you here? And what purpose, what role do you play in this big picture called life? Why are you here? And what purpose do you play in the big picture? Now, it's interesting that you say just how you describe that because I don't, I, I wouldn't traditionally think of story as, um, as this multifaceted, all roads came and led back home to Tiffany. And I really love that, that you, you don't have to be a Saturday night and a Sunday morning and a Monday afternoon Tiffany, you know, and a mom and an executive and an entrepreneur. And you just, and I think, would, do you think that's happening more lately that people are like figureheads of companies are coming out more and saying, hey, you know, you have the, the Gary V's of the world or the, um, I'm trying to think of who else, you know, Tony Robbins or uh, whoever it is that's more coming out going, hey, this is me and now I'm documenting who I am and I'm sharing, this is my, my theme of who I am. This is my, my reason for being here. This is what I'm about. And yeah, I might have three different companies or I might have one or I might work somewhere or I might be a stay-at-home mom or, or a dad or whoever I am, but this is me in all these facets and like you're blending the different elements and different stories over time all together to this one thing. Um, is that an, I don't say it's an easy process because I don't feel like it's incredibly easy, but it might be simple. How, what would you say to someone who's going, oh, I love that. But man, there's so many parts of me and I do feel like I have, you know, the multi-faces of, of me. Um, how do we grow up and become like Tiffany and have, you know, one cohesive purpose and story? Yeah. Or is that the right thing for everybody? It, it, well, it, for sure, it's the right thing for everybody. And the reason why people don't share, don't share all of them is because they're afraid of rejection. In wow. church, we're afraid of if we tell, if we let our, the people around us know that we really enjoy three, four glasses of wine back to back with no exception, we're afraid of rejection. When we hold a study group at our house, we hide bottles and we don't let people know really what we are. So we're like, no, we want this house and home to look like it is X, Y, Z. When we are um, with our children, we want them, often we present the mom version, the, the father version. We don't want them to know our vices. We don't want them to know our vulnerability, what things make us cry, because there's opportunity for rejection and not acceptance. When we're the CEO, we don't want to be vulnerable. Are you kidding me? Vulnerability equals weakness, right? No, it's rejection that we're running from. So it's like, for me, what I know for a fact is that the greatest leader, like all of us have a responsibility to lead, which is why story is so important because first we got to learn how to lead ourselves. And then we have a responsibility to lead the people around us. And then some of us have the responsibility to lead more than that and to lead the world, right? Now, what's real about this concept is that hands flipping down. The leader doesn't care about rejection. The leader knows that they're going to make a decision. They're going to make a statement. They're going to, you know, uh, propose an idea. They're going to take a direction. 
and it's not going to be accepted by other people, by everybody. And they know it and they make a decision to do it anyways. Most people in business or in life, you know, I now have had the luxury of the last two and a half years since selling my company. I've now spoken to thousands of people. I've been on stages and literally have spoken to so many people now that I kind of have this running data that mixes with years, decade, a decade of hiring sales reps and hiring people and having to be in front of, uh, of people's decisions and watching them fight for their dreams. And I have the same clear conclusion that we're so afraid of rejection that half of the time, if not most of the time, we do whatever we can within our power to avoid it. And that includes a lot of, a lot of behavior that people are struggling with changing, like procrastination, not putting yourself out there, Bingo. Uh, having low sales because you're not asking for sales, Bingo. Uh, the prospecting, even taking this vision. You know, I, I know plenty of people who have a vision for what they want to do, what they want to create, but it's like you're just going to keep working on it and keep learning yeah. until, it's fine, until you know enough, until it's finally right. But if you're really honest, would you say that it's really just that fear of, okay, I'm going to put something out there. I'm going to put me out there and inside I'm deathly afraid someone's going to reject me and say this isn't good or you're a charlatan or you don't care or whatever like like I think all of us have like this different deep fear would you say yeah it's rejection of you know I'm going to get rejected like my big thing is I'm always fearful that and this is something I, I again talk hashtag you know real talk right I I still walk through this every day to some extent but there's this fear that someone's going to think I'm inauthentic or that I don't care, you know, that I'm putting on a show. So how that translates though, is if I don't get a hold of that, I, I, I have to put almost extra effort in. So when I go to like, when I put on my workshops, you know, I'm like extra authentic, I'm, I'm extra available for people and, and I want to be available. I want to be authentic, but you know, when I let go of the fear of it, when I'm in a really good, healthy place, then I can stand up and go, hey, here's me being me and I'm sharing what I'm sharing and I'm teaching what I'm teaching. And I know that some people are going to be like, ah, he's full of it. Okay. And I know a bunch of people are going to think that it, they're so glad they met me and that's great too. Um, but it's, it's easier said than done sometimes, I suppose, to let go of that. Do you have any tricks, any hacks, any uh, or you know, long form ways that you help people or how you got over that deep fear of rejection to just be present and get out and do it other than just doing it for years. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, for sure. So step number one is um, oh, steps. This is great. Okay. Absolutely. So how many like, steps is the process? <laughs> um, I don't know. Well, you know what? It's going to be a few. All right, so let's break it down. Step one. We'll get to three. We'll get to three. So step number one, when you say, Hey, I'm going to own my story. It's the good, the bad and the ugly. So the scariest thing, the most, the scariest thing, the one thing that you don't want the world to hear, the one thing that you're afraid of the world finding out about you, period, is the number one thing that the world needs to hear. Because it's most tied to you and your humanity and humanity as a whole, because we all go through, we all have some form of experience, and it's the number one thing that we're looking to hide. So wow. My, wow. I got so, chills. So that's it. So it's like step number one, when people come into our world, our community, especially when clients, like, you know, high level people who want to come and they're work, they want to work with us or me. 
and they say, you know, Tiffany, I, I, I want to go here, you know, and this just is big, big layer level place. And it's like, okay, I hear that, but I know some facts. I know that connection is currency and you can connect with people by being charismatic. You can connect with people by just presenting yourself really well, but humans are still buying from humans. Humans still want to talk to humans. It's an emotional eyes closed energy type thing. Which means that if you're like, if I walked up to you, Matt, here's a great example. Like if no joke, if I had walked up to you and I wasn't in the first 60 seconds, now watch this in the first 60 seconds, I wasn't willing to play to lay my cards down and say, Hey, here's who I am. I probably would not be here on this call on this, in this interview talking with you right now. We would have had to wait time and time and time again for us to develop a relationship and maybe get to know each other better and, and, and dot, 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 dot. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's like we would, you know, I, we'd pass in the night and I'd see you like sell, selling your, you know, the thing that you sell and I'd be, you know, cause you know, we're there to promote cause we're going to a conference for that reason. For sure. I would just think, oh yeah, okay, great. She has a program and I got programs. And that's wonderful. But when we talked and when we passed, it was just like, wow, instantly you're just you. That's it. Not me. And, and it was like, we, it was, you had this ability to just cut right past any, you know, you're still, you're happy, you're fun, you're great to be around, but you just cut right through any pretenses, you know, and you're like, this is who I am. And even when we started this call, right, just before we hit record, you were like, hey, so you just moved? Oh my gosh, tell me about that. Right. Here's what happened. And here's, you know, it's been hard, but it was fun. And you're like, man, I get it. Here's what I've done. And we just like had this authentic conversation, this authentic story interchange that was very, very real. And I'm like, man, I, so I, I appreciate that so much in another human being. You know, and it's, I'll tell you, it was the scariest, but it was the most important for me because it's one thing for us to take inches, right? Like little steps towards in that direction. But it's like one of those, like go big or go home, jump in the water or don't. And if I am so like, if I am really afraid, I, I, if I, am trying to hide things about myself, like if I keep these deep, dark secrets, good or bad, far or wide, whether they're two years ago, 10 years ago, or 20 years ago, the reality is that every time I meet you or I meet a new person and I don't share with you all of who I am, then in theory, I'm not being honest, which means I'm starting off our conversation with a lie. It's kind of like when people go to an event and they start networking. I'm sure you've experienced this before. And they're like, they're like, uh, Hey, my name is, you know, my name is Tiffany. You're like, Oh, my name is Matt. It's like, well, how are you doing? How's business? And I'm like, Oh, everything's fantastic. We're in the midst of rebranding, blah, 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 blah. You know, the reality is that I've actually just lied to you. <laughs> That's a lie. That's a flat out lie. And no great relationship can start with a lie, period. None. Which means that there's like, like I've, I missed the opportunity to go deep with you right out of the gate to build like what could be a killer, killer relationship because I started with a lie. When you start with a lie, it'll end with a lie. So what was a lie that, oh, everything's great and we're just rebranding? Everything's great. We're rebranding. So what's the truth? What would the truth be in that exact scenario? Yeah. um, So let's say we were at a networking meeting and I'm, you know, the reality is that I uh, just left the hospital yesterday with my husband who's been sick. Or if it's not that, it's, man, I have been struggling to figure out how to get people into my room for events, right? Or... I'm really discouraged because I'm struggling with digital marketing. The whole thing just looks like crazy town USA. 
<laughs> now, so that 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 leads me to, and, and we're coming to kind of the coming to our time, unfortunately. But I want to get into this just a little more. So I think I get that, and I'll bet a lot of people do. They want to be authentic, but you also you battle this positive, negative. You know, you don't want to be a downer kind of person. So if things are hard, is there a balance, or is there like how do you bring the truth? Because the truth isn't. I'm just struggling and that's the only truth, right? Because at the same right. time, hey, things are good because, you know, I'm here. You know, I found this new, you know, a bunch of new clients recently and that's really exciting. But in all honesty, it's also I'm working on this online marketing that's really confusing. And so that's yeah. what's going on. Do you find that you just kind of want to say, hey, here's just some authentic stuff going on, good or bad? Right. Or you find that it's maybe more powerful to get into like the raw of the hard or... I think what's your not, take on that? Yeah. And I hear you because you're not, you know, the goal is not to be Debbie Downer, but really and truly. But you, you don't want to be, you know, Debbie Upper or whatever. <laughs> right. That's the truth. It's like, it, it's kind of like the truth. It's like whatever the truth is for you, that moment, the truth always wins in every scenario. The truth always wins in marriage. The truth always wins with your children. The truth always wins with your best friend. The truth wins with God. The truth wins in church. Like the truth wins with your clients. The truth always wins. That's really good. So, so what I'm hearing then is if say you're going, say you're going to networking events three times a week, let's just say. Yeah. Cause gosh, that's a lot, but I used to do that. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> and, you felt that as you said it. <laughs> yeah. And, and you go Monday and, and you're feeling great and you're, how, how are you doing? Things are awesome. This is going on and blah, blah. But you genuinely are in that space. But on Friday, you got some bad news on Thursday and they say, how are you doing? You go, well, honestly, you know, it's been, it's been a tough week and I'm pulling through as best I can. You know, I got some bad news on Thursday and, and yeah. you just, you share authentically where you are and what that does is whether it's up or down, what I'm getting from you is that people get you and then they buy you and they want to know more you because yes. you might and be the only one really just taking the mask off and being you in that whole evening. Yes. And people are so desperate. I'm telling you, I, you know, having sold now millions and millions and millions of dollars, all types of colors, ages, races, backgrounds, I'm telling you, people are just desperate to connect with it, with whatever is real and in energy and what, and us being inside of that wholeness of ourselves, like owning whatever it is, not apologizing for it and just shooting it straight is so so valuable because it's the most powerful thing that we have. The truth is the most powerful thing that we have. And our story is really the only thing that makes us unique. It's the only thing the world has never heard before. Wow. It's the only thing the world has never heard before. Yeah. Like, think about this. There is never going to be another Matt Browning. It'll oh, that's for sure. Ask my mother. <laughs> I can't with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I get it, right? There's never going to be another Tiffany Larkin. There's never going to be another Joe Smith. And there has never been, which means you're the only you. So it's like when we're trying to build relationships, we're trying to build relationships with big people, little people, networks, I don't care what you're after. Man, you lead with the one thing they've never heard before, you're going to stop people dead in their tracks. So often we're like, oh, I'm really great, like an, an entrepreneurship. It's like, oh, I'm, we're, I'm, we're great to our clients and we take care and we go the extra mile. We do the right thing always. Okay, well, so 500 other companies. We've been around for 20 years. So do 500 other companies. Our CEO has a master's in this. So does a thousand other companies. 
None of that stuff makes a company unique, whether you have one employee, 5,000 employees. The only thing that makes a company unique is its story. Because I know for a fact when I take a stage, you have never met another Tiffany Larkey. And if I try to lean on all of my accomplishments, if I had tried to lean specifically on a certification or a licenses or how many followers I have or whatever it might be, how much money I've made, there are people who've made money just like me which means I literally have to drill down to the core of my story because our stories are not only the most important thing, but they're the one thing that differentiates us in the world. And because it's the one thing the world has never heard before, it is hands down the one thing that the world's going to lean in to hear more of. Wow. I love that. Was Tiffany, um, let's take a second and I, I want to I make sure you, you can get some plugs in. So I want people to follow you. I want people to ask you questions. Um, you can, of course, find Tiffany Largi. You're on all social media. For from, sure. From totally. LinkedIn to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. You're all over it. And I think everything is at Tiffany Largi, right? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Tiffany Largi. <laughs> and we'll put that in the show notes, of course, so you can get it. You know, all the links will be in there. But it's T-I-F-F-A-N-Y. Largi is L-A-R-G-I-E. You can also find her at TiffanyLargi.com. Do you have anything that's maybe a resource or a freebie or something that you'd like people, the first thing they should do to, to find out more, or to get some value from building a relationship with you? Absolutely. Yes, yes, Yay. yes. Yay. So you're going to go to dreamerswantedhere.com. And what do they find at dreamerswantedhere.com? So that's going to plug you in um, to our community. And what, we, what the, the journey starts with, learning and understanding how to tell your story and, and me showing you the other side of that coin, which is me sharing my story. As my story continues to evolve, and more importantly, I have a responsibility to turn around and continue to serve people with it. That is awesome. So if you want to hear from Tiffany um, and get some, some resources, some encouragement, some uh, story building every single week, you go to dreamerswantedhere.com. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Thank you, Tiffany. Um, and one final, final question, and I know I got to let you go. Of everything you've been through, and you've been through a lot, I ask this question often and the answers always surprise me. Um, if you could change anything that you've been through in your entire life, anything at all, what would you change or would you leave it all the same? You know, you stomped me. I don't think I've ever been asked that question. Hands down. Uh, if I could change anything, you know, in theory, I'd say, nope, I wouldn't change anything, but I think I'm lying and I don't want to lie. If I could change anything, I wish I would have told my story sooner. And I wish I would have stopped apologizing for it sooner. And I wish I would have stopped being ashamed of it sooner. Wow. Man, th thank you. Thank you for, for answering that honestly. Most people, of course, said they wouldn't change anything. And I get that, right? Because in theory, like you said, um, you wouldn't be who you are, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, for sure. I would have. Okay. But who would you be if you had stopped apologizing sooner and you yeah. stepped into your story sooner? Wow. I love that. Well, I would have helped more people. And, <laughs> and, and let's take that away as our, as our amazing lesson from Tiffany. Tiffany, thanks for being on the show. Um, thanks for making the time. Thanks for being so real with everyone. Sure appreciate it. Make sure you follow Tiffany. And of course, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. My goodness. 
We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere you could possibly get a podcast. You can find us there and you can subscribe. It's free. It goes right to the device of your choosing. Who in the world wouldn't do that? So if you want to get Tiffany's interview, you want to get the next interview next Friday, you want to get my Teaching Tuesdays, all the cool stuff that comes, you can listen to them, you can skip one, you can listen to the next one, but you'll never miss one if you subscribe. So make sure you subscribe. Um, it should be right here, however you're listening to this. You can go to mattbroningpodcast.com and grab this and more. Make sure you rate and review on iTunes. I don't care if it's a one star or five star, anywhere in between. Let me know how you really feel because I want to know. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy your weekend. Tiffany, thanks again for our time. It was a blast. Thank you. Thank you. I will see y'all on Tuesday. Bye.